With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you, Dan. Everybody, how are you? I told Nathan that I was going to have a kids class for the adults today, and I meant it. Um, you know, when I look in the... Oh, by the way. Open up your hymnals to... Uh, Number 144, and we'll save that for our closing hymn, Hymn of Decision. Have that ready. Because I'm going to be brief. Uh, and I mean it. I'm going to be brief. Uh, I, I, I don't mean to be a smart aleck or, or anything, but I, I you know, really know that I've got, what? What is it, Caden? Between six and nine seconds of you know attention span with some of these kids back there to make my point. So I'm figuring I'm going to probably pick up another 15, 20 seconds with y'all. But that may be it before you're looking at your watch or checking out the what is it, Merriweather, Pacquiao highlights or whatever. I don't even know. Um, when I look in the bulletin and I see sermon or whatever. That oh, makes me nervous because that's, you know, we listened to a man this morning uh, in a taped message that was a sermon giver, wasn't he? That guy yelled for 45 minutes. And you know, David, and, and I'm so glad that you brought up Tanya because David's wonderful. He's like a brother to me, but and I'm just telling you the way it is. I've gotten more encouragement and strength from Tanya than I have David. She's a big part of that team, you guys. Let's not forget that. She's amazing. And she has swung her foot at me a few times. And I needed it. And I really, really appreciate it now. And it was the same way when I was growing up. And I'm not sure if this is so good or so bad, really. But when I was growing up, I don't remember the men. I don't. That's one of the reasons why I teach that class, because I don't remember the men when I was growing up. Besides my dad, I, there wasn't a strong man of Christ in my life. But there was plenty of women that were. That's what I remember. And now that I put some thought into it, I don't think that's so good. Finally, before I jump into this thing here, I'm going to say that I think one of the reasons why I love David so much is because I see more of Christ in him, maybe, than anyone I've ever met. And I admire him for that. And I admire his determination and his absolute... He doesn't have a lack of concern about not being accepted. He has a desire to not be accepted. He feels like that's when he's really gaining. When he's really getting, you know, making some progress is when he's got people mad. And he, he says this, but he's not kidding you guys. Scary, I think. Scary good. No, I'm not a preacher, but I'm a writer. I do. I've been writing magazine articles and getting things published since uh, 
the early 90s, I think the first thing I had published was in 1990, I believe. And here's a piece right here. I brought it with me. Maybe this will make me feel a little bit more comfortable up here looking at this English-made Rickman that I shot a few months ago, I guess. And this is a fairly recent issue. And you guys are welcome to look at this if you want after. I mean, or not. Doesn't matter. I only brought one, so you'll have to fight over it. But early on, when I started, when I decided the reason, Abner, the reason I started writing is because I wasn't, as you know, someone who loved to read, I wasn't finding the stuff I wanted to read about being published. So I started to write my own. That was my, that was my motivation. I wanted to see more stuff that I was interested in. And I'm not educated. I don't have a degree in journalism or English or anything else. But I had a strong desire to write things the way that I thought that they should be written about the things I wanted to read about. So I started doing it. And at first, what I did is uh, I used my considerable collection of books and magazines and things that I'd bought through the years. Some of this stuff came from other people. Some of it I bought myself. Some of it was given to me, whatever. And so what I would do is when I would pick my subject, my passion, I would take all of these things that I had learned from what the things I'd read, pour them into a, a big bowl and mix them up and then scoop it out the way that I wanted it to read. This was my method. And everything was great. And actually, I think maybe because my photography was okay, some of this stuff got published. But what happened is that a few people who recognized, maybe they saw something in me that they felt I could handle the you know, criticism. But I had a few people, two people actually, both people that I respected a lot, tell me that they liked my writing style and my you know, photos were good, but I was regurgitating the mistakes and misconceptions of someone else and they recognized it. And they said, we, maybe you're a little better than that, Nolan. And my reaction was, I was hurt. My feelings were hurt. Hey, I got published. I, yeah, that was a lot of work. And so I was angry about that. I didn't like it. But thankfully, and I really say this, thankfully, something inside made me go, oh man, they're right. <laughs> they're right. And so what I decided to do was go back, to go as far back, that what I was advised to do was to go back as far as I could and find the truth. Is any of this ringing a bell for what we're doing with the Bible in this group here? Because, you know, guys, we have this. This is really is the good book, isn't it? But we've all learned, those of us who have really, who have spent the years with David in class, have learned we've got to read it resistantly. Speaking of those classes, and that time spent with David, in our Sunday morning class, we've been studying Acts 2, second chapter of Acts, and it's been regarding the the start of our church, the start of the church. And uh, as we was reading through it, we got to Peter's point where he was preaching after, you know, Pentecost and he had received the Spirit. Peter, uh, Peter mentioned David. 
and quoted David's you know, prophecy about his lineage and about Christ being the hope of his flesh. And I, and, and I thought, wow, I, what a great thing to be able to say. What's the hope of my flesh? Is it, you know, my great kids? Yeah, that's part of it. You know, my grandkid back there? Yeah. But there's more to it. There's more that, can, that, can, that, that we can do. There's more that we can realize, and that's why I'm talking. That's why I'm giving this. Just so you'll understand what my motivation is, hopefully. I'm going to read something now, and then I'm going to make three quick points, and then I'm going to be done. I'm going to read a little bit of Acts 2, if you want to follow along, starting with verse 1. When I get down to 7, I'm going to skip over to 12. So Acts 2, 1, says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under, under uh, heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these men's, men speaking Galatians from Galatia? Galileans? And now we're skipping to verse 12, and it says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocked and said, Oh, surely they are filled with sweet wine. My point, my point from this is, when I read it, what I felt, and what I'd say to the kids if they was, you know, in front of me. Who, who heard this? First of all, who heard this? What, what David, I, I'm not saying it, David says is the most pivotal, important period of earth history ever, is this time right here. I, I'm leaning towards that. You know, understanding that there's some other, other things that I feel are pretty important too. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Minnesota won the world championship in 1969. That's pretty important to me. Probably not, but that's about all I have to hang my hat on being a Vikings fan. Okay, the men that were at Pentecost were this. They were from regions of... Uh, I actually looked this up. Instead of trying to read and pronounce all of these words up here in front of you, oh, you don't want me to do that. I looked it up where they are, what the modern-day area is now. And the modern-day regions where these men were from, they were all, you know, they were all in Jerusalem. Syria, uh, northwestern Iran, different parts of the uh, Iranian region, plus what was also called the cradle of civilization in Mesopotamia, Iraq area. Also in attendance were men from Judea, obviously, uh, and two or three different tribes from regions in Turkey, Asia, Asia Minor, Egypt, Libya, and Rome. That's a lot of area, you guys. And what brought these people to, you know, Jerusalem? What brought all of these devout men there? I really wonder that. Why, were they, why did they happen to be there on the day of Pentecost? I, I think, personally, 
I'm leaning towards the fact that they're interested in Christ, the Messiah. And it probably took years for some of them to get there. Wouldn't you agree? Or at least a year? Or even some months? Because when they arrived, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus had been had lived, preached, was crucified, resurrected, and then ascended. So, they wasn't seeing the Messiah, but they were seeing Peter, and they were hearing this, and they heard this in this room, in this place, and they went over there. What is this? And then what, you know, you know, what really happened then? Well, some were amazed, bewildered, so some were thought cool, others thought, oh, this is scary, and others doubted, just like now. Oh, we tend to think, oh, we see things on TV and read things in magazines and hear things on the radio, and we think, things are getting so bad. Yeah, but it's nothing new, you guys. This is nothing new, and we also heard this this morning. The spirit of the, of the uh, anti-Christ you know, Christ was around while Jesus was still alive as a man on earth. And yet, there's a lot of comic books and other TV shows and stuff that talk about this dude is still getting cooked up. He hasn't showed up yet. But I'm sure when he does, he'll be a very, very snappy dresser. You know? There's so much fiction to try to find the fact in. During this time, Peter quoted the words of David. But, but yet also added that up, you know, added that. First he quoted Joel to describe to them how they had gotten this power and addressed them and said, we're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. So I, you can you know, do that with what you want. But then when he talked about Christ being the hope you know, of David, he followed that up by saying, listen, David is buried we know where his bones are. We know where his tomb is. And isn't the same going to happen to us? Nobody likes to think about this stuff. And you know, preachers and churches have been using this thing for, for leverage for as long as there's been preaching. Fire and brimstone. Put the fear in you. Put the guilt in you. Put the whatever. Yeah. But you know what? We don't need that because we all know that we're not going to live forever, don't we? Our bodies. We know that these bodies are just not going to... I look at pictures of myself from 10 years ago and I go, oh my goodness. I'm aging. I'm closer. There's a rash of guys my age that's been dying of cancer lately. Friends of friends and things like that. I hear about it all the time. Who wants to hear that stuff? I don't want to hear it. But I can't ignore it either. So what is the hope of our flesh then? So what's my motivation with this? And this is what I would tell the kids. What's the hope of our flesh? You know when they're little? Julia back there? She's not afraid of this stuff. She's not afraid of dying. But at the same time, what I think we, we can do, what I think we're capable of, is I, is I think the hope of our flesh is through the Word, we can become who we really can be for the Lord. We can overcome our fears and we can have enough desire for the truth to really become the kind of person that can make a difference. The kind of person that can make a difference to a person who's never opened a Bible and never been in a church and show them Christ. 
through our actions. And what does that do? What do we have to do? What's the starting point for that? It's pretty easy. It's doing what we'll say we'll do. First of all, just, just, just being truthful. Not being a complete and total liar or a fake, which you folks aren't. Believe me, I'm not saying this. This is kind of a wraparound devotional pointed back at me. Not being fake. Do what we say we'll do. Respect people and respect their freedom of choice too. If we toss this out, if we have a chance to tell someone the, you know, the truth and they come back with their own thing, whether it be the grandmother and grandfather and my f history or this area or that event or God talks to me and he told me I don't need, I can do that, all this stuff, we have to let it go. Do you understand me? Let it go. Has anyone ever been argued into heaven? Has anyone ever been guilted into doing something that they really want to do, that they have a passion to do? That's the hope of our flesh, is to be like Christ. It's one of the reasons why there's such a hole in this building today. Because the man and the family that we have just really gotten so much from is not here. And boy, that's a big hole. And I'm feeling it. I really hope he's okay. A few more years, it'd be nice. I'm going to enjoy every one of them. Every day of it. <clears throat> Further down in Acts 2, in verse 40. And with many other words, this is Luke's account of what Peter was doing that time when he was preaching. And by the way, I wanted to throw this in because we're almost done. What Peter said to the Jews that cut them to the heart was not the kind of guilt that I'm talking about. Peter was explaining to them what had, what had happened in their area. The decisions that they had made as a people, as people in the faith, as rejecting the prophecy and crucifying this man and killing him when he was the Messiah, but they knew that it was going to happen anyway because the law was what they had and they would not give it up and their pride was not going to let it go and they was not going to give up their position and they was not going to give up their place and once again, does all of this ring a bell with you about what's happening in this world right now? They are not going to back off of their spot. They are not going to give up their power. And I don't care if you're talking about somebody's government or somebody's religion somewhere or just someone who thinks they're better than you. It's not going to change. And it didn't change. In the face of the Son of God, how can we ever imagine it's going to change for us? But they had a choice. It's their choice to make. So verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them. Ah, oh, that's the good part there. Encouraging. And I'll say, Sharon, thank you so much for everything you do at the piano when you play here on Sundays. It just brings a complete new dimension. Dan, I love you. You're, you're awesome. Abner, everyone. Alex, my mom, Nathan. Greg, what would we do without you? Betty. Probably the, you know, the cornerstone of this group. My daughter, my granddaughter, the kids. Thank you, guys. 
keep it up. He continued to exhort them and said, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Finally, to conclude, I was listening to the radio this week, or television or something, and I heard people talking about Baltimore. They're burning churches in Baltimore, someone said. And because I have just gained a little depth in this book here, I can recognize that statement as being the most ridiculous thing anyone could ever say. Because they were burning church buildings. And this building is not a church, you guys. It's a building. I'm looking at the church right now. Let's be humble enough to be open to the truth. It takes a lot of strength. I tell the kids this. I got them. They went quiet on me two weeks ago when I when I was talking to them about being strong, about being more like Christ. It takes a lot of guts, you guys. Oh yeah, they're coloring. Oh, somebody's sticking something on their forehead. Everybody's laughing. Eh, we're having a good time, right? And I said, you know, like when you're in the cafeteria or whatever, and you want to fold your hands and give God thanks for your food, but you don't want anyone to make fun of you or see you doing. And then it went real quiet. Yeah, and and, and you know, uh, having been there in that position myself, and wimped out, I share in their shame. So, as we continue on, waiting for our group to be whole again and grow, I will exhort you to the truth. If you really want it, it's up to you individually and me if we're going to grab it or not, if we're going to really seek it. Do we really want to know? Or are we comfortable in our traditions? That's a question for you to answer. But number 144 is what we're going to sing together. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.